Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And... uh, We might ask a question today, why do we go to church? (laughs) Why are we here today? Um, Can't it be that that we could just worship God out on the boat or out on the golf course or something like that? Why do we come here? Why, Why do we need to gather together? Well... Uh, the simple answer here, I, I think, that even comes from this text, is Jesus said that He would build His church. Now, yes, there is what we call an invisible church, a universal church, that, that is composed of all those who God has saved, uh, and ever will save, and ever has saved. Uh, that is this universal church. And, and yes, it is possible to be a part of that universal church without attending a local particular church. But then we turn to Matthew 18, and Jesus, the only other time Jesus says anything about a church, the word church, and we see there it is clearly talking about a Local, particular church. The church is Jesus' idea. Now, I want to go ahead and get into our text, but what we're going to see here, a couple of things. First of all, it deals with Jesus' identity. Who is He? Who is Jesus? What? And then, what did Jesus come to do? What was His purpose when He came to die for us? And then what was His mission or what was His task that He had when He came to earth? Those are the three things that He did. And His his identity is He is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God like Peter proclaims here. And His uh, purpose was He was laying down His life for the church. He came to build His church. He came to die for His church. And what was His task? That the Son of Man would die, that would suffer at the hands of men, that He would die and He would rise again on the third day for believers. So let's go ahead and look at our text beginning in verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began rebuking him, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but upon the things of man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the word that you have revealed to us. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and obey. Father, give me strength and grace. I need your grace. As I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. It begins as Jesus and his disciples come to a certain place, Caesarea Philippi. And um, word has gotten out about Jesus. We know that Jesus, uh, you know, he, he goes from place to place and crowds follow him. Crowds get there before he does whenever he crosses the sea. I mean, the word is out about who Jesus is. Even Herod has heard about Jesus and Herod thought maybe this is John the Baptist raised from the dead. We've already heard that kind of thing before. And Jesus asked, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, uh, that may take just a little bit of explanation. The Son of Man is the uh, term that Jesus uses to refer to Himself. It is, in the Gospels, one of the most common terms that Jesus uses to refer to Himself. Um, we can tell that He is talking about Jesus because He asked the question again whenever He says, but who do you say that I am? So he's using the term Son of Man synonymous with himself. And the significance of the Son of Man is that the Son of Man was uh, a, a term that was used in Daniel chapter 7 whenever the Son of Man came before the Ancient of Days and the Ancient of Days gave to the Son of Man a kingdom and power and authority that would never pass away. So when Jesus called Himself the Son of Man... There were implications there. It was ambiguous by saying Son of Man, it could have just meant a human being. But by saying Son of Man, there were also implications of He was the one who was King. So Jesus asked, who do people say I am, the Son of Man is? And His disciples give all these different answers. Some say John the Baptist. John the Baptist had already been killed, and some thought that maybe he had risen from the dead. Others say Elijah. Why would they say Elijah? Well, the book of uh, Malachi says that uh, before the Messiah comes, that someone would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. So they thought maybe this is the one that comes before the Messiah. Or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They thought maybe one of the prophets God has raised up from, from the dead. But again, 
All these answers say, some say, some say this, some say that, and they were dancing around the answer, not wanting to say and put themselves, commit themselves to an answer. Jesus then says, but who do you say that I am? Peter was the brave one. Peter, the one who would later deny Jesus three times, after saying that he would follow Jesus even to the death, he's always rash and he's always, but sometimes he's just right. And this is one of those places he was right. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus commends him, says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But let's just talk about his answer. He says, you are the Christ. We can easily just gloss over that. Of course, Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ. He's the the Christ. What does that mean? Well, Christ is the Greek expression for the Hebrew term Messiah. So Peter here is confessing that Jesus is the Messiah. And what does all that entail? Well, when when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, he's saying he is the promised one that the Old Testament has been expecting. Jesus is the one that is the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. I'm keeping you awake, ain't I? (laughs) He was the one who was going to come and crush the serpent's head. He is the one who was the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham who would uh, be a blessing to all nations. He is the son of David. The son of David who who, uh, God promised to David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. And this son of David who would sit on his throne forever, God said to David, well, to David through Nathan, he said, and I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. And that is what Peter says next. I think maybe Peter had this in mind. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He may have this Davidic promise in mind. He's the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. He's the one who God said, I will be a father to him and he will be my son. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Bar is the Aramaic term for son. He's saying, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. There is no amount of studying that Peter could have done to come up with that answer. There is no amount of wisdom of his own that Peter could have done to come up with that answer. Peter, Jesus is telling Peter that the only way he could have known that answer was that the Spirit of God opened his eyes so that he would see that. And you know what? It's the same way for you and me. We can open the Bible and we can read about Jesus and it can go right past us. All of our work, all of our labor to try to study the Bible. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't open our eyes, we can't see it. When we come to know Jesus, when we trust in Him, when we see Him for who He really is, It is not because of our effort. It is not because of our good works. It is not because of anything other than the fact 
that the Holy Spirit has revealed Him to us. That's what Jesus says to Peter, and that that is what Jesus says about anyone who recognizes who He is, who Jesus is. If you know who Jesus is, really know who Jesus is, it's because the Spirit of God has woken you up, has opened your eyes, the scales have come off, and you see Him. Verse 18. Now we've talked about Jesus' identity. We're going to now talk about what Jesus' purpose was. What did He come to do? He says to Peter, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now there's a lot of confusion about this. There are various views about this, and those views have lots of different implications to them. Whenever he says, you are Peter, first of all, the word Peter means rock or maybe a little rock. So whenever he was calling Peter, Simon Peter, he was giving him a nickname. He was calling him Rocky. Okay? That's that's what Jesus was, was calling him. Uh, We can we can kind of get this because we know the word petrified, right? Petrified. It's got that same Greek beginning there. Petrified. It's, it's Peter. When, when something's petrified, it's turned to stone. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. So he's saying that he's going to build his church on Peter. That's what the confusion is. Now, the Roman Catholic interpretation, and when I say Roman Catholic interpretation, I mean that's, that's what we normally think of when we think of Catholic. The Roman Catholic interpretation is that Peter was the first pope and Jesus was appointing him as the first pope by by saying that he was going to build his church on Peter and that Peter had to have a successor and that this line of successors after Peter leads all the way down to the present Pope Francis today. I don't believe that one is the correct interpretation. Otherwise, I would be Catholic, and we're in a Baptist church. Okay. Um, Another understanding could be that Jesus was saying, you are Peter, little rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So, So like he turned and pointed at himself whenever he said that. Of course, we can't imply that from the text. We don't have any directions from the text, so that's kind of a... Guess it's kind of a conjecture to say that. Uh, I think probably the best interpretation I understand is that it's that confession that Jesus will build His church on. That confession. What did Peter just say? He said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what I think Peter is saying, or what Jesus is saying is, it's that confession. Upon this rock, that confession, I will build My church. The confession that Jesus is the Messiah, He is the Christ, He is the Son of God. And then He says, upon this rock, I will build My church. Who is it that builds the church? It's Jesus that builds the church. Let's talk about our church. This church. Redeemer Baptist Church. Jesus will build this church. 
Jesus will build Redeemer Baptist Church. And I'm so thankful that He will. Because I won't. I can't. I'd have given up a long time ago. We're on year six. Jesus will build His church. For the first four, close to five years we were here, we, we really hardly grew at all. And after five years, the Lord started sending us a few people. Mike and John. And last year also we saw the Lord miraculously save Ron. And Ron has been sharing the Gospel with his neighbors and, and having Bible studies and things and bringing his friends. And now we have Lisa and Mike has brought Carrie. And it's not been Jared's work. <laughs> it's been the work of Jesus. And if we're going to continue here and see more growth happen, it's not going to be our work. It's going to be His. It's going to be His. But also, uh, I think Jesus here was talking about the universal church. There, the, these, there are two places in all the Gospels that talk about that Jesus says the word church, that even the term church is used. It, and both of them are in Matthew. One of them is right here. The other is in Matthew 18. This one, it talks about how Jesus will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And, and I think that clearly has to be the universal church. There will always be a church of Christ. And no matter what age, and maybe some churches will be around for a little while and then close their doors, but the church of Jesus Christ will never end. It will always prevail. Satan can't get the church of Jesus Christ. Matthew 18 talks about what we do when there is someone offends another, when some, there's sin in the church. And it tells us, you know, if someone sins against you, go to them personally and then with another person for a witness and then bring it before the church. Well, you can't exactly bring someone before the universal church. <laughs> In order to obey Jesus, you have to bring them before the local church. So both Jesus taught about. I will build My church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that mean, the gates of hell? Um, what I have heard and what I, I think is right, uh, the gates are not so much gates as in uh, to, keep, uh, to keep a location closed to keep people from getting in, but it's like military gates that soldiers would carry as they were pushing forward and advancing. And as the, the, all the powers of hell try to 
come and attack at the church of Jesus Christ, pushing forward, trying to advance, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. There may be, like I said a moment ago, there may be churches who are open for a little while, who last a few years, a few decades, maybe even a few centuries. And then they lose their focus, they lose their passion for Jesus, and they dwindle away to nothing. But the true church of Jesus, the universal church of Jesus, will never have the gates of hell prevail. It will be triumphant. Jesus then says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, we have this, the Roman Catholic interpretation, of course, was saying that Peter was Jesus' representative on earth, and he has authority like Jesus to basically be able to say who's in heaven and who's not. I don't believe that. But I think uh, whenever he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that's speaking to disciples, to believers, to the church. And I think what it means is when we preach the gospel and people are saved, there are implications in heaven. When whatever we bind on, in, in, on earth and whatever we bind on in hev- or loose on earth, that's talking about, I think, the preaching of the gospel. When, when, when we preach the gospel and people come to faith and people believe and are becoming Christians, there are implications in heaven. That is not just something happening here on earth and adding people to our physical church, but that is a celebration in heaven whenever anybody gets saved. And also, on the other hand, with like Matthew 18, the other place Jesus talks about the church... He uses the same term. Whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you uh, loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Jesus is there with His church when they practice discipline as well. And when they speak authoritatively and say to a person, you are not living like a disciple of Jesus. We are speaking with the authority of Jesus. And there is heaven and hell on the line. Not that we have some kind of a power to say who's going to be in heaven and who's not. No, it is not that. But through the Gospel, through the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of people, our work matters. What we do here on earth to proclaim the Gospel and to stand the line on moral issues has implications in heaven. And finally, we'll come down to what Jesus' task was, what His mission was. Verse 21, From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. That was His mission. That was what He came for. He came to die. He came so that He could give His life as a ransom for us. He was a substitute for us. He took our punishment that we deserved. 
He lived and He suffered at the hands of sinful men and He died and He rose again. But Peter didn't want to hear that. Oh, Peter, he was so right just a moment ago. He, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus was like, yeah! <laughs> the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. The next thing you know, Jesus is calling him Satan. <laughs> Jesus says, oh, Peter says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. No! You're not going to the cross. It reminds me, uh, Mark Lowry told about how he went. his, his uh, uh, mom took him to go see the greatest story ever told. And he was so moved by the story. And Jesus was up on the cross. And, and Mark yelled out, No! And his brother told, turned to him and said, Shut up, Mark! Or you want us all to go to hell? <laughs> Anyway, Peter did not want this to happen. He didn't understand Jesus' mission. But Jesus said, He turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan! For what? Uh, for you, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter still wanted Jesus to be the kind of Messiah who would come and rat out the Romans and give them political freedom. But Jesus was not that kind of Messiah. No, Jesus was the suffering servant. Jesus was the one who came and He gave His life as a ransom for many. When Peter was saying, this shall never happen to you, you could almost hear the whisper of the serpent from the wilderness as he was tempting Jesus. Find another way that this can be done. Oh, throw yourself down from the temple. Then all the people will come and worship you. Peter was giving the, almost the same kind of temptation to Jesus as, the, as, the, as, the, as Satan was in the wilderness. That's why Jesus called him Satan. But Jesus' mission was not to come as an earthly Messiah. His mission was to come and suffer and die so that we will live. In summary, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. He is all that the Old Testament led forward towards. And He will build His church. He will build this church and His church will be unstoppable. And finally, He did this. He built His church by giving Himself for us. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.